Spotlight with Sarah Hendy. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster am I. I'm Howard Kane. In for Sarah again as she enjoys the sun. Well, she does live up north. It's wonderful to see all the island's arts venues coming back to life again with a huge variety of events. Coming up on the show this evening, a stage version of the classic novel To Kill a Mockingbird, brought to the Gaiety stage by Parker and Snell Productions. A short film made in just 48 hours, recognised by two of the most successful film directors in the world. It's a stirring story all about soup. That's all to come, and don't forget, if there's anything you'd like Sarah to feature on the programme at any stage, email spotlight at maxradio.com. First up this evening, a chat Christy and I had with James Franklin from Culture Vannon, telling us about a sold-out event in the West showcasing everything from microcars to murder. We've got 12 short films which are about or of or investigating Peel in some way, and they cover things like boats, cars, trains, singing, swimming and digging, and murder, war, and a certain talking mongoose. (laughs) Of course. Well, we don't have a clip of the talking mongoose, unfortunately, but what we do have is a selection of audio from a number of the films for you to have a listen to. So we're just going to let this play. You'll hear a number of the films sort of weaved in and out of each other, just little clips from them, and then we will talk to James about them and he can maybe give us a bit of an insight into what we've just heard be a hunted man. Now this field in those days was covered in gorse and when you think about it, from here you'd be able to see the, the English ship out in the bay that they were be transported away in. Yeah. So he he lived in the, there must have been big big tall high gorse bushes here. He lived in the gorse for about a month. And my great grandfather was about six or seven at the time and he actually fed him in the gorse every day. He fed him so they reckon a young fella of that size wouldn't be noticed running about the country. Mm-hmm. Now that was fine, but at one stage, they did come looking for him. Well, there was nothing around apart from an old, a scooter. And the idea was to build something as an enclosed scooter, something for somebody to go to work. That was enclosed to work, cheap to run, and in the dry. Whereas a scooter was cheap to run, but if it was raining, you got wet. So the idea of the P-50s was to keep everybody dry and go backwards and forwards to work. The only problem with it was that the engine was only 50 cc's. And unless you were a motorcyclist, you found it difficult to drive because it was only a tiny engine. I've been in here during the winter time, not this as that, and they're cold. They are very cold. Believe me, you're underground. You're not one. You can't put a heater on. You have to put a little layer of clothing on. Because heat and use electric. We haven't got it. Well, we've got two vents, one left side and one. In the event of anything, we just close them. We can't keep your vents shut forever. We've got no air purification in here, so you can imagine how stuffy we get. Plus, you got your radiation, which you normally settles like dust, so it would be pretty stuffy and horrible. Maybe. This boat seemingly was a present. When the Lusitania was sunk in 1915, the boat that was on the scene was a boat called the Wanderer. 
from here, from Peel. And the captain of the boat was Captain Ball. And they saved 150 people approximately off the Lusitania. And sometime later, money was deposited into his account for him to build his own boat as a reward for saving the people. What some great voices. There. I know. There is a lot going on in each of those clips. And so we had uh, a little snippet about um, a man hiding in gorse, which it sounds very much like Magwitch or something. It sounds like Great Expectations, doesn't it, that? Tell us a little bit about that film, the sort of origins of that film. Um, well, that came out of a brilliant day's filming we did up at Balakanan in Michael with um, John Corlett. And um, it was just learning his stories from his farm, which he's been at for, his family have been at for 500 years. And there's just these range of amazing stories. And that one in particular was about uh, what we call the press gang murder, where a fellow in Peel escapes the press gang by um, hitting him over the heads, knocking him in the harbour, and then he goes to hide in the gorse up at Balakanan until they come and get him. So that's a true story? Yes. Gosh. Isn't that amazing? Ooh. The things that happen in the gorse, eh? Oh, my <laughs> word. Um, and then, obviously, we heard a little bit, you could probably guess we were hearing a little bit about the Peel 50. Mm. Got a little rev Classic. of the engine there. I'd, I've not heard this before, so what, what film is this from? This is a brand new film. Um, it will be the first time seen by anyone on Wednesday night. Um, it's all about Peel engineering. And so it's got the P50 in, it's also got the Trident, and it's got um, the fledgling um, hovercraft, which was made... And we've got these amazing interviews with a range of people who were there um, working at the time. And it's just fascinating to hear these amazing stories and to see these beautiful cars, which we had the privilege of being there and recording. Very, very exciting, even for someone like me who's not much of a uh, car person, but these are special. So are all the films made in-house, are they? Made by Culture Vannon or are they sort of sourced from elsewhere sometimes? They're all our films. Mm. They are not made by culture and staff but we've um, commissioned Manx filmmakers to make these films and so we um, cherry pick the, some of the our favourite and best filmmakers to go out and make these beautiful films as good as they can be And what about the actual subjects? So you cherry pick the filmmakers but it must also be I mean there are so many great yarns on the Isle of Man that, that you could make a little film about How do you choose the subject matter? Yeah, it is a difficult one and it's nice that when we work with people, perhaps like Neil Corlett, a filmmaker, that he comes to us and says, you need to make this film. And so with him, we will go out and make this one about Peel Engineering. And it's it's nice to have these sorts of suggestions and things like this. And it's the same how the um, John Cannell one came about. Someone met him and said, oh, you have to speak to John Cannell. And we did. And it was good. And then we should also then comment on the other film that we heard a little bit from, which I found fascinating listening to the audio of it which is about uh, a cold war nuclear monitoring station yeah it's good that isn't it <laughs> it is good and so during the cold war all over the british isles they were monitoring um levels of uh, radiation and nuclear stuff which would have come from a nuclear bomb had it been dropped and um people were stationed in these all across the british isles and they were all top secret and there are four or five around the island, one of which is just outside Peel at a location which is still secret. And um, we were delighted to be told about this and then to be given access to go in and make a film of what is the best preserved um, nuclear monitoring station in the British Isles. 
Oh, to have that sort of access, that's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. And we've only talked about a few of the films that are part of the film night this week. And as we said, it is sold out. But is there going to be an opportunity for people who aren't able to be there on Wednesday to see these in the future? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, For the premieres, we're only actually holding them back just so we can have this big ta-da at the Centenary Centre. They'll all appear online quite soon after starting next week and into the near future they'll all be available online i should ask though out of all of the films have you got a favorite james (laughs) (laughs) no pressure (laughs) well i present one of them so that's my least favorite um but i do talk about um jeff the dorby spook who is my favorite subject i have to say um but another one that was about the round mounds on peel hill which people don't know about and they're just hidden in the gorse but everyone who's been up peel hill will have seen them and i particularly like that because we used two props one of which was a cardboard box and another was a paper bin and i rather <laughs> like teaching history with a cardboard box james franklin from culture vanon showing you don't need fancy props to make great films Speaking of which, on late lunch this week, we spoke to filmmaker Alex Maxwell and actor Jack Divers, who'd entered a competition run by the directors behind such box office hits as Iron Man and the Avengers movies. And after that, we speak to Carl Parker from Parker and Snell Productions, who tells us about the forthcoming production of To Kill a Mockingbird, on at the Gaiety Theatre next week. So it was a it was a forty eight hour film challenge, and it was set by it was set by Agbo, which is. Um, the, the Russo Brothers kind of production company. Um, and basically the Russo Brothers put on their Instagram, keep an eye out, this is going to happen, 48 hours. The brief will be announced at like 7.30 on this date. Now 7.30 where they are is 4 in the morning where we are. Um, and so I was like, I'll keep the keep an eye out, I'll set an alarm, I'll have a look at the brief at 4 a.m. And Jack, Jack was on board and I was like, I'm sure I could do this with one person, maybe two <laughs> if I do it, if I'm in it myself. And... Uh, woke up at four in the morning, looked at the brief, fell asleep by accident, and then woke up at nine and <gasps> wrote it on my phone in So you'd my lost bed. five hours of production time of the 48 yeah. already. I was okay. very tired. <laughs> oh, no. But I wrote it at, like, nine in the morning, half nine, sent it to Jack, and he went, yeah, let's do it. I said, can we come up to your kitchen? It was actually the first weekend that we were allowed back in other people's houses. So the, the timing couldn't have been better. It was very fulfilling. Thank goodness. Um, so what was the brief then? What was the actual brief? It was pretty much take something from our current existence our world whether it's an idea a person a thing and change it somehow twist it twist its reality yeah change something about the world and uh, i had wanted to kind of do something deep and meaningful hold up a mirror to society i dreamt ideas that i thought i could use and then promptly forgot them all when i woke (laughs) up um and so uh, the one that was left in my head was, what if spoons were never invented? <laughs> yep, obviously. And uh, with, with 43 hours to go, I thought, I guess I should run with this. But when you think about it, when you really think about it, what if spoons were never invented? I know. What, what kind of world is that? And that's, that's you know, that is holding up a mirror to society in a way, going, what would society be without spoons? And it's just, it is a ridiculous concept, but it was just, yeah, it was loads of fun. So yeah. I, I've watched it and it is wonderful and you know when you talk about it with sort of lightheartedness but the production values are extremely high on this film and when you think that it was just i say the two of them but you're both acting in it alex i presume you were pretty much running everything from a production side yeah yes and no jack's quite handy with the camera i got him to do a couple of shots that i was i was in a lot of it was kind of static and and on tripods um but but it was definitely a a teamwork 
approach um, for for particular shots. I wasn't in it much, thankfully. I'd written it. <laughs> I'd written it so that was just at the beginning and just at the end. But yeah, it was it was a tripod, a camera, one light, and uh, a couple of microphones. <laughs> It looks superb. You've watched it as well, haven't you? Harry? I have. Excellent, yeah. And it's yeah. sort of got that wonderful quirkyism about the whole thing as well, <laughs> which is, as you say, if you've ruled out all the others you're left with, one, you think that's what I go with. Yep. Got yeah. to run with it. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, the, the Russo brothers are also kind of famous for one of my favourite TV shows ever, which is called Community. And that's kind of this off-the-wall, bizarre uh, comedy style. And I thought, you know what, let's, let's... It's not quite community style, but it's the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, it was very apt for that. I think you saw that they would have an understanding of kind of what we were going for because there was this idea that lots of people would try to go for the deep and meaningful, meaningful sort of side. So I think it was a really nice concept to do that was out, you know, just a bit random. And it was very <laughs> honest of our own intentions and our yeah. own characters as well. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it is a comedy, but it does have a sort of real dramatic flair to it. There are scenes you put in there yeah. that do have that element of drama. There was a couple sure of references because the Russo brothers have their connections to the Marvel Universe as well. Mm-hmm. With the creation scene, there was mm-hmm. some obviously um, links back to the whole Iron Man era and style of things. Building um, the suit in the cave. Yeah, yeah. Building the spoon in so the like we're going, So slight motifs like that that we could chuck in and add in. It was, you know, there's, there's a lot more thought. You know, I think sometimes people think it could just go, oh, you just chuck that together. But there's there's lots of thought and bits in there. Yeah. which was, And it was nice to see and, that they recognised that as well. And improvisation. Um, something that's <laughs> wonderful about working with Jack is he goes, what about this? And it's it's always just right on the money oh it's great fun yeah, you know it's, and it's nice to work with alex you know because alex is a you know really good friend as well but the fact of creatively we get you know we know each other well so we can creatively play with these things and we're usually both very much on the same page mm. and you know we both kind of i think pull different creative ideas out of each other which is Definitely. really nice and uh, you know it's, it's good fun and doing balance that balance off each other yeah well, we have posted it on the max radio facebook page so you can you can have a look at it there it is on the agbo uh, youtube channel there and it did very well for you, didn't it? It did all right, yeah. We didn't win, but I never <laughs> we expected never thought it we to. We were going to. <laughs> we were one of 12 honourable mentions out of, I think, over 700 applicants. Um, and that was worldwide as well. Yeah, yeah it's not just like a, a certain region. That was anyone in the world that wanted to join in could do, and there was over so 700 top 12. Entries. That's yeah. fantastic. So did, did they actually give you any feedback? Um well, not not the Russo brothers themselves, because there was there was several judges, and there's kind of a point of contact, um, a lady called Sarah, um, but that that particular person was was so lovely, and they were like, just for full clarity, this was one of my favourites from the beginning. I'm so <gasps> glad that I get to send this. And That's I was like, superb. Someone that works with the Russo brothers said yeah. that. That is extraordinary. So, mm-hmm. so what happens next with it? I've considered kind of sending it to a couple more like mm. short form comedy mm. festivals, just just because you know it's something that's nice and. Let's be re- let's let's be honest. It's nice to to get the attention and the the feedback and the that was it. it. It was the fact that the Russo brothers watched it for a start and liked it. Yeah, and Jack really got start? Jack got referred to as the Tony Stark of making spoons. I mean, that <laughs> from the Russo brothers blows my mind. <laughs> but the fact as well, you when no. you when you break it down in that way, you think the Russo brothers have watched me and Alex acting. A year or two ago, they were directing Robert Downey Jr. in the second highest grossing film of all time. And then they're watching us eat soup with a knife and fork in my parents' <laughs> parents' kitchen in Andreas. And they've gone, 
That's it. That's, yep. that's, we like that one. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Hi, I'm Carl Parker, producer from Parker and Cell Company. And To Kill a Mockingbird going on at the Gaiety Theatre. Tell us, is this something you fancy doing for some time? Um, it has been, to be honest, but I, it's, it's a play that hasn't been done before. And the thing was, I saw that it was coming back into the West End. Unfortunately, just literally when it was about to be launched in the West End, they had to close down because of COVID. And that sort of sparked the idea. Actually, I, I, I didn't realise there was a play version. So I you know, inquired about the, the playwrights to, to it. It was available uh, for the Isle of Man anyway. And um, yeah, we got the rights and thought, this is a great piece to do. Because I, I did Tickle a Mockingbird at school, which a lot of people will have done. You know, GCSE... Um, and a lot of people know the novel anyway because it's a classic, you know, American classic Harper Lee. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it'd be a, a really good one to to present on, at the Gaiety Theatre. And I think being back in the news recently because Harper Lee, there was that sort of second novel that came out sort of years and years after uh, Mockingbird. I think Mockingbird was around about 1960 and then this other one, Watchmen. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too familiar. I know it came out and it was, there was a bit of controversy around that novel because I believe that they made Atticus Finch a bit racist. Um, Atticus was meant to be racist in that novel. So, I mean, I haven't read it. I don't have any you know, knowledge on that, that second novel, but I know it wasn't well... Um, you know, it wasn't sort of welcomed as well as the uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, the original. Very relevant, of course, despite being written in the 60s, really relevant to today's time. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, um, it is indeed. And I think, you know, because Harperley based this story, um, she was 10 growing up in Alabama, and there was a similar case that happened to her. Her father was a lawyer, and the characters that she's based it on were in and around sort of her family and, and her um, you know, in her vicinity, so to speak. So it's loosely based on a on a true story um, that actually happened in, I think it was Montgomery in Alabama, the certain court case that was going on. So there's a lot of realism to it, a lot of truth, a lot of depth um, and substance. And, and as you say, um, the connotations of the, the play and, and the, you know, the themes that run through it are very prevalent today. Very prevalent. Difficult to cast? Um, I... I to, to be honest, it, it, it wasn't really... I knew straight away who would like to play Tom Robinson. I knew uh, certain characters like Bob Ewell and the judge and, and so on. So I, I kind of had a precast in mind when I read the play. Uh, there was one or two that I, we, we not struggled with, but it was a question of um, you know, trying to get the right people for these, these characters. Because as I say, it's based in realism. It's not, you know, a superficial play. And what you need is people who are, you know, capable of, of bringing that realism and truth to the stage. Because, you know, without that, it's kind of, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't do the play justice in a way, I don't think. And, of course, you're always working with Colin Snell. Now, <laughs> we're just sort of out of COVID, but unfortunately, this has added a bit of added difficulty, I guess, from the production and direction point of view. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I, I know that I think, you know, Shrek was on recently, and I know Dave Dawson was was directing that. But I, I believe the uh, the choreographer uh, Perry Day was doing it via Zoom, and you know, and I think with Taylor in their summer production, there's some Zoom thing going on. But 
Um, yeah, it's it's not ideal, but it's it's kind of working. We're, we're getting it to work to the best of our ability, but it's um, ideally it would, he would be here in person. So at the moment you're you're here basically, obviously pulling all the ropes, doing all the work. Colin's on Zoom and, and sort of yeah through the yeah, rehearsal yeah. period. Yeah, because of course yeah. what happens with uh, you know the camera, the 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 sort of you know cameras bend angles and so on. You don't really get the the, the true perspective. So I'm just kind of slightly doing assistant director as well as you know playing Atticus. But it's it's going well at the moment. <laughs> you know, can't complain. So far, so a couple of names, some people who are actually in it, you were saying? Yeah, I've got Wayne Kelsall playing the Judge Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Cat Court, who's playing the older Jean, Jean Louise. Um, Tony Eccles, who's come back to the island and he's uh, playing Jem. We have Samuel Turk playing Dill. And Alice Smith, who's playing um, Scout. And myself, who's playing Atticus. And yourself, Howard, playing Walter Cunningham. I'm in there so, as well, yeah. I'm yeah, looking forward to this. It is yeah. very, like you say, very different sort of play. Do you think it's going to appeal to, to all sorts? Because it's quite, it's quite heavy. It, it is, like I said, it is a, a strong play, shall we say. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's definitely the, the comments that we've had and I've seen on, on social media, certainly, is that, you know, it's, it's famous because of people reading it at school or outside of school. And a lot of people have done it, as I say, for, for GCSE. Or it's just because they read it because it's it's one of the top. I think it's in the top ten or top twenty American, you know, literary classics. So you know, people are familiar with it, and I think those who know the novel will kind of know what to expect because it does contain racism. It does have racist language in. You know, we can't shy away from that. But it, you know, you have to take it in context. It's 1935 Alabama. It's that culture. It's that society, and it's um, you know, it, it is quite shocking even just to read it in the sense of you know, you do wonder why you know, how people can have that kind of mentality. But I think, you know, it's not just the, the racist themes that run through it. There's, there's, you know, some really nice moments, um, you know, some tenderness, some humour, um, but it, because it's based in, in real life. Um, so I, I think it appeals to those who, you know, have a, a keen interest in literature, in classics, and, you know, are interested in, you know, being taken along in a, in a story in theatre, which is difficult because, as we know, our attention spans this day and age aren't aren't great. So, you know, to to hold an audience's attention for that long. Um, but I think probably, you know, I, I know Christopher Sergal adapted the play, but you know, in terms of the dialogue, I think it's it's accessible and you know engaging. You know, so I, I think people will hopefully enjoy it and you know see the the, the stage version and recognise everything that's in the the novel. So Some good Alabama accents going on. Been a hard one to nail. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting because I mean, fortunately, if you're doing an American accent, actually the Southern accent is easier than say general American because it's quite me- melodic in in many ways and it's quite similar to English in in RP. So it's it's easier in, on the one hand, but obviously to keep keep that going keep that dialect going from start to finish is is the challenge so you have to get used to being able to you know speak that and hopefully not drop any vowels into you know being northern or scouse or mancunian so absolutely just finally about staging are you sort of open staging are you having box set how are you going with that um well i mean it's it's going to be classic pns we we like to work with with minimal sets so we've got it um it's set actually in in atticus finch's house um, so it's just going to be, you know, um, a minimal sort of furniture, atmospheric lighting and so on. And then we have the, the courtroom scene. So the courtroom scene, we're, we're trying to not recreate the film version, but there will be obviously the judges bar, the tables and the public gallery and so on. So we're going to try and, you know, replicate 
make them, but in a sort of theatrical way, and hopefully it'll be atmospheric with lighting, um, and obviously you know the costumes as well always enhance enhance what we do. So yeah, I, I, we're going for atmosphere. That's the main thing. It's going to be great to see live theatre, of course, back. Like Absolutely. you said, we've had Shrek, marvellous to see the Gaiety again. Coming up at the Gaiety Theatre, give us the dates. Uh, it's the 27th to the 29th of May. So, And we have a matinee on the Saturday afternoon. Great. So. And the booking you can book now, presumably? Yeah, uh, villagaiety.com or box office at 600-5. Get your tickets now. That's about it on this week's Spotlight. If you missed anything, you can hear it all again via the podcast. You can go to your favourite subscriber or, of course, manxradio.com and click on podcasts. Next week, we'll be hearing about the great Laxi Brass Band Festival. Until then, keep it live and stay safe. Cheerio. Cheerio.